We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, friends. Welcome to Mavs Moneyball After Dark. It's just after 7 p.m. on Saturday night of March 5th. I'm joined by Matt Phillips, who uh, is filling in for Josh because Josh decided to be social tonight. How are you, Matt? I am wonderful and thrilled to be talking about a win instead of a game that slipped away. Yeah, and... For, for anybody who didn't watch, you know, it was a weird Saturday afternoon game. They played at 4 p.m. They set up this game specifically, I think, for some European fans. There was also a bunch of, like, Slovenians in the arena. There was, like, the game was sponsored by, like, I think either, not, if not the country, then, like, a travel, you know, like, travel groups affiliated with the country. Like, very, like, Slovenia-focused game, only for Luca to miss his first game in forever. <laughs> yeah. I'm, and so... I'm- Go ahead. Yeah, I believe he had played 24 games in a row and had been killing it. Uh, like since he came back from the COVID and the ankle, he had yep. played, he'd been playing about 36 and a half minutes a game and averaging like 31, 11, and nine. But they were going to have to give him a rest at some point. It's just, it, it's really bad that what is convenient for what, what is helpful for winning. And I don't want to downplay, I don't want to assume that Luca is not actually dealing with a serious toe sprain. It's very possible that it is, yep. Yep. but that what is, what is conducive to winning is not always what is best for fans because it's quite possible that there are plenty of people that this was the only game they'll get to, see, they'll get to make it to in person this year and to not right. get to see Luca in that situation is quite disappointing. Well, and then to add insult to injury, the first quarter, it looked like the Mavericks had had their Mavs ball last night, which is their big charity function. They raised like one and a half million. Uh, Check the site tomorrow. We have a story going up for it. Um, Lauren Gunn went to that. But it just, it was ugly. Like, they looked asleep. They looked not really interested. They also looked very disjointed because it's clearly, like you said, the first time in two months where they played without Luka Doncic. And the Kings were getting the performance of a lifetime from De'Aaron Fox 
who is, I'm pretty sure, a 27% three-point shooter on the year. And the man just shot the lights out from all over the place, which then allowed him to get to a lot of his bread and butter at the rim. And the first half is really painful. I mean, the Mavericks gave up 65 points. And just when it looked like they were going to be able to string something together, they pulled it within uh, 11, or no, 12. Uh, they were close. Um, it was 50, they'd scored 51 points, and then the Kings hit a buzzer beater again, because they hit one in the first quarter too. And it was just sort of disheartening. And it, it, the game really felt like one of these where every time Matt, the Mavericks would make a run, the Kings would answer with a very frustrating and unlikely shot. Um, and to, to really add to that frustration was the fact that, that you know, the, the Mavericks were dealing with a lot of foul trouble, very poorly refereed game on both sides, just a lot of bad calls, no calls, and then incorrect calls where it's just like, what is happening here? So there wasn't a lot of flow to this game. And, and then the, the third quarter, the Mavericks finally rallied. Um, they, they closed the get the lead, which had been double digits to within five. And then they entered the fourth quarter down seven and then quickly just sort of took the lead. And the fourth quarter was a pretty wild back and forth display of basketball with both teams throwing some really heavy punches and then storming back only for the Mavericks to go down seven points with two fifth with just under three minutes remaining. Spencer Dinwiddie hits a big three to pull within four. Dorian Finney-Smith, who had missed his previous five shots, all in the fourth quarter, mind you, hits a big three. And then Dorian hits a uh, second big three to close out the game on on once the game had tied up at uh, 111 each. And the Mavericks walk away with, with a 114 to 113 win. And I'm not even sure where I would want to start talking about this game. Do you have do you, what, what do you want to lead off with? Okay, so to me, one one of the things we started the year talking about that the Mavs were all in on the vibes when they hired Jason Kidd, and we thought that he was going to struggle schematically, but that there was the Mavs were going to play for him. They really wanted the players really wanted to play for him, and he's been much better schematically than we thought. Jason Kidd's had a good year coaching, um, and so but those those guys and I mean the players obviously deserve a ton of credit for how hard they play, but this was absolutely one of the games where they could have laid down. Um, there were there were plenty of chances where it's just hey it's just not our night you know our superstar is not playing we like we we've had calls and and you're right the calls were terrible on both ends this was I, everyone was miserable with the refs but this is they they didn't get calls the review on Powell which I'm still not entirely certain how even if you called it it ended up being continuation but that one and then they got the one with Dinwiddie which I kind of understand but I kind of don't but either way whether or not you think the call there are calls that you could have gotten. And they didn't. And then right after that, the Kings made another three to go up seven after the Mavs had made their run and took the lead. And you just kind of felt like, well, they they got to the top of the hill, but then they they stumbled and fell down. And they just absolutely never quit. And in all sports, when you have a team that never quits, which the Mavericks don't, they now lead the league. This is their 13th double-digit comeback win. Like, coaches get credit for that. And Kid deserves a ton of credit for how much this team fights and how hard they play. And really, where the the person that I want to talk about first is probably not who people would think. Spencer Dunwoody had an incredible game. Really kept him in it. Was was put on put on his Luca hat and really played a heck of a game. But interestingly enough, the guy who I think deserves the most credit player wise for these two comebacks, uh, including the Golden State one, is actually Josh Green. Um, 
Josh Green is such a chaotically weird basketball player where when he does dumb things, they feel catastrophic. Like earlier in the game, he had a right-handed layup going on the right side as a right-handed player that he somehow let Sabonis block him from behind when, and it was like an open court play where a more seasoned player would have gone and, and used the reverse and protected himself with the rim. And a few plays prior, he had stumbled into the paint driving on a layup, like looking like Stanley from the office, like really terrible stuff. But then he comes back and hits a huge corner three. He is everywhere on rebounds, 12 rebounds for him. And granted the Mavericks were taking a lot of threes. So some of his offensive rebounds were like long contested. You don't want to call him lucky because you at least got to go get the rebound, but let's just say offensive rebounding is something that not NBA teams don't really value, but since the Mavericks play at such a slow pace, I think they have to put more emphasis on it, which is why Dorian and him are both pretty important in the offensive rebounding role. And, and green was just sort of doing a little bit of everything. They let him run point. Um, he scored some nice baskets. It was, and, and he's just there mixing it up. Uh, you know, he's not in for the final stretch run, but when you're down by like the Mavericks are down by as many as how many this game, like 15, 19, something like that. It was, they, they got down 19 was the most, he kept them in touch. Yes. That's one of the things is, I mean, like, cause, cause when they were, Josh talked about this in the, in one of the other games that the Mavericks could have been down 30, if not for Spencer did what he in the first half, I think it was against golden state the first time they played him. And I'm not going to say that Josh green, Josh green wasn't as good as then what he was in that game, but Josh green was a huge part of, you know, being down 19 sounds bad and going into half, I think they were down 12 or 14 or whatever. Like that's bad. You don't want to if given your choice. You obviously wouldn't do that, but teams come back from down less than 20 all the time. Teams don't come back from down 30 very often. And so that that matters. And with Green, one of the big things with him is that I've heard it said about Luca that he does things on an off beat. Like that's one of his big skills is that he does things on a different beat than the defense. And so it throws them off. Yeah. Green is not Luca. I'm not comparing him to that anyway. But, but the off kilter comparison aspect makes sense because he, and and I think like there's I would love to hear your thoughts on Dinwiddie because I think there's a similar thing there where guys don't know what to expect because it's it's you know, Josh Green is a very athletic player, but he doesn't often use that athleticism in a way that a traditional NBA player does. He plays like a football player playing a pickup game that mm. has not that is not <laughs> a basketball player. That is, if you have ever played pickup and you have the football player who doesn't really, it's super athletic, can move, is strong, he's real barrel chested, like he's he's tough and he can do that. But because he moves differently than everybody else the cadence to the game with him is different than it is with anybody else. And that throws people off and on the rebounding. um, Obviously it's not, I understand why teams don't value it, the analytics and whatnot, but if you have a choice of either we can get this offensive rebound or we can not, it's always better to get it. The only reason that it's not is to help with transition defense, which the Mavs have actually become a good defensive transition team this year, which is strange on, on the Darren Fox. When you mentioned him earlier, that is, the best game I've ever seen him play. And I've watched a good bit of him. He was on fire and, and it's, I mean, and green went and green actually took some reps on him and did a decent job on him a couple of times. He got toasted a couple of times. Everybody he, did. They were just throwing yeah. everything they could. Well, I mean, when a guy that athletic, when he's making jumpers from everywhere and like, it wasn't just the three point shooting, his mid range jumper was absolute money today. 
And when he's doing that, I mean, like, there's just not a whole lot you can do. But they, like I said, he he did a really good job. And then to go back to Dinwiddie, when you talk, I mean, it it, it really is. And I, I know I said it. I know Josh said it. He has been an absolute revel, rezo, blah, revelation since he got here. And it, I really don't know how much more there is to say about it now, other than I will say that one thing that he is that the Mavs have not had a lot of. If you remember back in the mid two thousands when the Mavs had Jerry Stackhouse as their sixth man, Jerry Stackhouse had been a had been like the leading scorer in the NBA at one point. I think he when he played for Detroit, he averaged like twenty nine a game and led the league in scoring, I believe. When he became the Mavericks' sixth man, he was a guy who had been used to being the the focal point of a defense. The Mavs have not had another player who has been used to that. And Dinwiddie was the focal point of defenses when he played with Brooklyn. And that is a skill set that is very interesting and very important for a team to have is a guy who knows how to score on defenses that are trying to stop him. Jalen Brunson has had an, a fantastic year, and he had a good game today. It was a little weird, kind of kind of herky-jerky. But he has never been – at no point in his NBA career have defenses ever gone into games and said – Jalen Brunson is the guy we have to stop tonight. Right. People have done that with Spencer Didwitty, which is one of the reasons I think that it really that he can thrive when Luca is out is because it's not new for him for a defense to try to stop him, and that is a huge adjustment. Well, I will say it's new in the sense that it's been a couple of years for him. Um, I was just so impressed. You know, his ability to get to the line tonight is one of the the you know Luca had. Four, he has had three 14 free throw attempt um, performances this season. Chris F. Porzingis had, had one 13 free throw attempt performance. And, and Dinwiddie has this right now. And just being able to give Luca that off day, and you look at his stat line, and, and Dinwiddie really did play the Luca role. Like he had five turnovers. Granted, like four of them happened in, in like a, a chunk of fourth quarter minutes where he briefly lost his mind. But that also seems to happen to Luca, um, and just w- watching his sort of his long arms, his his cadence in getting to the rim, and then forcing up these shots. Where as I'm watching the drive, I think it's a bad idea, and then he kind of goes through the defender and gets one over outstretch arms, then it hangs in the rim, and it's it's really something. The shooting is a little different because he's hitting some three pointers where it's just like we he doesn't in theory doesn't have this in his bag relative to history, but he's just sort of shooting the lights out. And I've seen a bunch of, you know, people who are much grumpier than me, which guys don't be grumpier than me. Um, talking about how this shooting's not sustainable. Well, of course it's not who cares, write it. Like if the defenses have to respect his three point shooting, that opens up more drives. And if that opens up more drives, then the Mavericks are going to score more points. The end, right? Enjoy it while it is happening. Yes. Like it doesn't matter if it, it might not come tomorrow, but you know, that's, you don't borrow rain from tomorrow. No, I mean, just take the sunshine while you have it and enjoy it. Mm-hmm. One of the things with him, he is huge for a point guard. Yes. He's the biggest point guard in the NBA that is not Luca. Like it's a little less shocking for Mavs fans because we're used to Luca being the primary ball handler. And I'm assuming you're not counting Jokic as a point guard, which he's his own thing. I know what you mean. But Luke, like, Dinwiddie is a legit 6'6 with a little over 6'8 wingspan. Like, and he's not, he's not the type of athlete. Like Fox is a has a type of juice as a as a straight line uh horizontal acceleration driver that even Dinwiddie doesn't have. 
Mm-hmm. But Dinwiddie is sort of halfway between one of those guys and Luca in that he's huge and he can get by people by using his length and his craft and everything. But he's also got more juice athletically. And so he like he really does. He does a good job. And one of the things with the fouls is I you know that I love to complain about fouls. I don't really like to do it in when I'm doing stuff sure. for Matt ball because No, but in game, I, I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't really think that's that's a good part of coverage. But Forcing people to foul you is a skill. Like, as much as people love to complain about James Harden, as much as I love to complain about Joel Embiid, like, a lot of times those guys really do get hacked just because there's not a way to guard them without getting fouled. And there's a lot of that in Spencer Dinwiddie's game in that because of how big he is and how crafty he is with the ball, his handle is very good. Mm -hmm. And he just, he knows what he's doing, his finishing craft. Because of those things, it's, it's really not easy to to guard him at the rim because if you don't foul him, he's just going to finish. And I mean, I love watching Jalen Brunson step throughs and his, his myriad of moves in the rim, but because he's so much smaller, there's not, then when he has a little bit of a feel of inevitability when he gets to the rim that Brunson just doesn't have. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And (sighs) Brunson missed. I mean, I'm looking at Brunson's shot chart tonight. He, where he, he, I'm glad he really pulled through with a, a really great performance. Let's be clear. But Brunson's been missing some looks lately that he had go down for a significant chunk of the season. And what's nice about this and why, you know, it, it you know, Josh and I clamored for two years for more ball handlers. And this has really proven the point because it's allowing the Mavericks to push through people not playing at the peaks of their games. I mean, this was, you know, this is a great performance. I'm really glad the Mavericks won. Um, But the Mavericks did not get great performances from Reggie Bullock, for example, again, who's sort of struggling from distance. Um, You know, they they had to steal minutes here and there. You know, kid was trying uh, combinations of Burke, Nilakina. They had to go real small because Dwight Powell uh, was in foul trouble and Maxie is out. Uh, you know, you saw nine Sterling Brown minutes. Um, there, they got good minutes from 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 Bertans, who is just a bizarre basketball player, and I love watching it. Like it's 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 a different. It's it's that he put he runs. You keep calling him really fast. I'm not sure if he is really fast, but he runs really hard, and I don't think NBA teams know what to do with that. Yeah. I mean, um, <laughs> It, it's definitely relatively speaking with the speed, but it's it's shocking. I guess it's just I I kind of assumed he was going to move like Boban. Yeah, I mean I've watched him before, but that is basically the level of speed I expect from him. And I get basically normal NBA six ten guy speed, and so it's just stunningly fast in my opinion, in, in terms of what I expect. Yeah, well, this is just one of those games where I'm really pleased with the end result because it was a trap game through and through. And we hate to see the Mavericks lose games when they can gain ground in the standings. The Jazz lost last night, really got the crap kicked out of them by the Pelicans. And now I think looking at the standings, the Mavericks should be an even one game behind the Jazz. Um, I still think the Mavericks schedule is just so difficult to where, like they're not 14 games over 500. They have, you know, some, some, they've made it through a really difficult part of their schedule, but there's still a big chunk to go. And I, I just, I find myself really just, just feeling good because, you know, you get down 19 points and, and, and I'll tell you this from like a, a coverage point of view, 
what I do is I start mapping out what we're going to be doing at Mavs Moneyball for the next, you know, 24 hours in my head. And so it's like, all right, well, it's a loss. We get less traffic after a loss. We don't need to push, yada, yada, yada. And then they start getting all the way back into this game. And then they end up with a game-winning shot by a player who is just beloved by his teammates. And it's like, oh, okay, well, this is great. It means we're going to have to write more. We're going to have to do more. And when the Mavericks are winning, it's a lot more fun to talk about them than when they're losing. It's just like that's a simple, you know, it's a fairly boring thing to say out loud, but it's 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 true. Um, and I'm 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 looking forward to seeing what what the Mavericks are going to be able to do in the coming days and weeks. I'm kind of looking ahead here, uh, pulling up their schedule to see what's next. They play the Jazz again. Uh, that's going to be a tough game. But then they have you know a. a, a a Knicks team and a Houston team where they could, could, you know, steal some wins this week. Then they have another tough stretch up there in the North that gosh, this is a brutal road. This is, it's five road games. They go Houston, Boston, Brooklyn, Philly, Charlotte. Woo. That's going to be cooking with gas. Um, cool. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, I feel good about things right now and it's nice because if they, you know, if they lose some of those, which, you know, statistically they're likely to lose at least a couple they've they've really pushed through these games where I thought they were, you know, they were probably going to play 500 basketball and instead they've, they've won four out of their last five now. Yeah. The Mavs have been a 75 win percentage team, which, which equates to a 60 win team for quite a while now. Yeah. And so it's part of it is like, we look at it from a Mavs perspective. We're like, Hey, these are tough games. The Mavs are a really tough game for everyone. Like, well, I mean, look at, look at this crap. Like, but so, so they, on, on, December 27th, they beat the crap out of Portland. Then they lose that heartbreaker to Sacramento on that Me Too shot. Then they the next loss after that is to the Knicks. Then they lose to the Suns. Then they lose to the Warriors. Fine. Okay. Then their next losses are Oklahoma and or, or I'm sorry, Orlando and Oklahoma in overtime. And then they lose a tough one to uh the Clippers and a tough one to Utah. And it's really wild. Like in these losses. You know, they've really only been destroyed twice. Once by the the um, by the Knicks, and then once by the Golden State. Uh, Golden right? State. Every yeah. other game has been a really competitive loss, and there's just it's like you said earlier. Everybody, like like from kid on down, that coaching staff, it's it's the players. There's just a lot of positives, and and we should we should really be enjoying the stretch. I hope everyone is. Yeah. Uh, also, we I don't think we've necessarily talked about Dorian enough today. Dorian, he's always been a guy who plays incredibly hard. That's why everybody loves him. He plays hard. He does a lot of stuff. But what he is really beginning to do, and it's been, it's been you know, developing over the years, is playing hard only gets you so far. His talent, and I mean, his talent has gotten better and everything. His skill level has gotten better. He is a legitimate shooter. Is he, you know, the shoot, is he Joe Harris or anything like that? Absolutely not. But he is a guy that you cannot leave open. And he was very happy to tell the Kings that they could not leave him open. If you notice, like that guy talks mm-hmm. a lot of crap and I love it. Um, it. It's, you know, it's very good. It's very fun to beat people like that, but when it's your guys doing it, it is a lot of fun. And it just, it's really nice for him to combine both the relentlessness and the trying hard and all that with, with the skill to actually make the plays. And I mean, he was he had 17 points tonight. He was five of eleven from three. Like that is high level three and three and D wing play. And he he just he really was very, very good. Yeah. It's great. I know yeah, I I didn't even know what to write about him because I wrote about him the other night. It, it, it's like he's playing so hot right now. 
He said it's his daughter's birthday. Happy birthday to her. Where I'm just, it's, this is great. It's good stuff. Well, we could probably ramble for another uh, chunk of time, but it's early in the evening, and I think folks probably want to do something else if they ha- if they can. So, do you have anything before we close out? That's it. Just you know, if uh, I'm going to say one hot take, you were talking about if we pass anybody. If the Mavs pass anybody, it'll be Golden State. That is the team there most Woo! likely. Yeah, they're struggling. Yeah. They're they're playing they're playing the Lakers tonight. So that'll be interesting yeah. to watch. Yeah, that's on right now. Oh, yeah, I'm saying my timeline is apparently uh, Magic Johnson just taking Russell Westbrook behind the shed and beating the crap out of him. Good Somebody content. All right, guys, to. thanks so much. Um, Matt, I appreciate you taking time out of your evening. I'll probably see you in the green room here in about an hour. Um, yeah, we'll talk soon, guys. This has been Kirk Henderson and Matt Phillips of Mavs Moneyball, and we will talk to you to Monday.